there's no free lunch. There, the trade-offs are inevitable, um, but they can be mitigated, but, but folks need to be aware of it. Uh, and there's some more intentionality that needs to happen uh, across the entire food system, from producers to consumers and everything in between. Thank you for joining me today for Keynotes. I'm Marcus Chavez, Communications Director for the Keystone Policy Center. I'm going to start today with discussing a point of contention in my family that I'm sure many of you have had to deal with. Like most parents, I seem to have an ongoing, never-ending fight with my two oldest children. My oldest child refuses to eat fruit, while her younger brother refuses to eat vegetables, especially broccoli. I mean, my goodness, you should see the way he reacts when he sees it on his plate. But it's a song as old as time, and a fight that parents have had forever. I know mine did. And parents are adamant with their children that they eat their fruits and veggies because they are critical for a healthy diet and help prevent diet-related illnesses that affect millions across the globe. And yet we also know that there are various reasons most individuals do not eat enough fruits and vegetables for a healthy diet. However, what if everybody did? It turns out that might be an interesting case, and be careful what you wish for, because it would dramatically impact both the environment and the growers themselves. Imagine what it would take if our current agricultural system was required to meet the world's full nutritional needs. Doing so would require essentially doubling the current output of the fruits and vegetable production system. With that in mind, how could we possibly meet that demand in the future for a global population that is only growing? A report released just this month examines these issues and argues that simply scaling up our current fruits and vegetable production system could actually worsen the environment and create socioeconomic trade-offs. The authors of the study argue investments in innovations to increase crop diversity, integrate technological advances, and improve grower and consumer equity are required for a truly sustainable expansion of fruit and vegetable systems on the scale needed to feed a healthy diet to an expected 10 billion people by 2050. I'll be discussing this research today not only because of its importance, but because the roots of this paper, and yes, that was a cringy, terrible pun, reach back to Keystone as we helped host the first discussion on these issues nearly three years before the research was published. In 2018, the Aspen Global Change Institute and the Keystone Policy Center partnered to assemble 40 thought leaders with wide-ranging expertise in food and agricultural science, ecology, consumer behavior, economics, and agricultural systems engineering to collectively identify how to transform complex food systems in ways that can sustainably and equitably elevate the percent of the world's population enjoying nutritious fruits and vegetables in their daily diets. Franklin Hawley, who is currently the Director of Sustainable Fashion at Conservation International, but in 2018 was the Director of the Agriculture Program for Keystone Policy Center, explains more about the workshop. The heart of Keystone, which is again, you know, really bringing bringing groups together that represent different sectors, um, people, individuals, organizations, entities that may not think the same way or approach issues the same way. And then I think what AGCI does so well in their model is um, bring groups of people together around an issue where you can really dig in um, to the technical um, and to the scientific and sort of peer-reviewed basis, science basis that's out there on an issue for several days at a time and you build those relationships. And then I think, you know, this opportunity with Keystone on board, we also ask the question of like, where do we want to go from here? Dave Gustafson, a food system scientist affiliated with Agricultural and Food Systems Institute, 
and a member of the author group of the paper released earlier this month, helped organize the workshop and offers his insight. This workshop was all about bringing together folks uh, from elsewhere around the world to talk about this issue, to identify what needs to be done to ensure that we can meet the future targets for fruit and veg in our diets around the planet. Uh, the nutrition experts are telling us that we need to be doubling the amount of fruit and veg in our diet. And yet that's going to be really challenging for all sorts of reasons. Uh, we clearly aren't going to be able to double our irrigation water supply between now and 2050. So we're going to have to be far more efficient uh, than we are today on water. Uh, but there's other challenges as well. Uh, fruit and veg, uh, unlike some of our other foods, typically require a heck of a lot of manual labor. Uh, and, uh, and those supplies, not just here in the US, that is the number of people able and willing to do this work are falling rather than going the other direction. So, so that's forcing folks to go in the direction of automation. Uh, and, and that is certainly happening in, in certain parts of the world, especially here in the US and particularly in California. Uh, but that requires a heck of a lot of resource, uh, financial and otherwise. And, um, and that's not a possibility for everyone. So, uh, so there's a whole bunch of reasons for getting experts together to talk about this. Dave and Franklin knew each other prior to 2018, as they both served on a steering committee for sustainability for another project. They both felt Keystone, in partnership with the Aspen Global Change Institute, could gather together a diverse cross-section of experts and scholars in a first-of-its-kind workshop to discuss the fruits and veggies issue. You know, fruits and vegetables are the kind of research area that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily get as much attention, as much funding, um, for example, compared to, uh, you know, much more largely traded commodities. So, you know, we were engaged together as a steering committee. We were thinking about the agenda. And then, you know, it was really, it was actually really fortuitous um, because, of course, AGCI and Keystone are, are both there in Colorado. And I think, you know, really well-respected conveners. And so we partnered together and, and offered to convene the workshop at Keystone. It wasn't just uh, an, a workshop with academicians, but we also had representatives from the private sector and um, uh, as well as NGOs and civil society. And so it was a really nice um, kind of synergy and synergistic uh, collaboration there. The workshop was an incredible success as the participants highlighted and examined several issues, concerns, and potential solutions regarding the fruits and vegetables production systems. Following the workshop, several of the presenters put together a summary of the topics discussed there, which then started the discussion of what should happen next. From there, the discussion of writing a research paper began. Annalise Stratton from the University of Michigan School for Environment and Sustainability, who also participated in the 2018 workshop, further explains. After we published the white paper, we realized we needed to have a different angle and if we were going to then publish the same big picture topic for uh, you know, a new audience. And so what we ended up doing is bringing in a couple of other scientists who had, um, I guess, new perspectives or maybe a more global perspective um, relative to the areas of expertise of those who were in the workshop originally. Eventually, a group of eight scholars, including Gustafson and Stratton, came together to research and write about the topic discussed at the 2018 workshop. 
Stratton was the lead author of the report, which was entitled Mitigating Sustainability Trade-Offs as Global Fruit and Vegetable Systems Expand to Meet Dietary Recommendations. It was published on May 4th and examines the environmental and socioeconomic trade-offs inherent in the current fruit and vegetable production system, including inequitable access, that could only worsen as we try to meet the future global demand. The economics of this are such that, sadly, a lot of folks around the planet don't have access uh, from a cost perspective, but even a physical access perspective, and not just you know, in other countries, but even here in the U.S. where we have food deserts and, and uh, the, no access actually to fresh fruit and veg in, in many parts of our uh, major cities, which uh, is, is a, one aspect of you know, inequity that uh, we've all seen that there's other inequities uh, in our systems here, but, uh, but it certainly is part of our food system as well. There's a whole lot to work on here as we sustainably and equitably increase the amount of fruit and veg uh, available to us. And um, the workshop that y'all hosted or co-hosted there uh, in 2018 was a great place to identify these issues and, and come up with ways uh, to mitigate those trade-offs, which was the primary subject of the paper that eventually published. The author group prioritized bringing different perspectives and backgrounds together to gain as much of a global perspective as possible. Stratton explains. We were able to cover a huge breadth of different types of systems and different scenarios uh, in our discussions and in our analysis because we actually had quite a diverse author group. So I think that was really important for this. And so we, I guess, had, I wouldn't say like a balanced global perspective by any means, but we were able to bring in the perspectives of people who had really deep experience working with the smaller scale farmers um, as well as, you know, large scale kind of plantation type agriculture or uh, more mechanized agriculture in the U.S. The researchers specifically examined three crops, avocados, leafy greens, and tomatoes, because they highlight key characteristics of fruits and vegetable systems that make the challenge of sustainable expansion especially difficult. Gustafson explains. Obviously, at the workshop itself, uh, we discussed uh, a very broad range of fruit and vegetable. And it is challenging, actually, to, to um, select crops that are going to be representative of the category and, and surface the issues uh, that arise. Uh, and we chose avocados, uh, leafy greens, and tomatoes with great intentionality. Um, and that's part of the paper. Um, but they all have different aspects to them. So clearly avocados, for instance, is, is something, it's a fruit crop. Demand is, is probably rising as fast or faster uh, than any other fruit. So moving on to the other crops, uh, I think leafy greens, uh, one, of the, the, one of the fastest growing vegetables in terms of demand here in the U.S. is spinach. Uh, if you look at the acreage totals, uh, it's taking off and it's primarily uh, obviously uh, somewhat processed in the sense that it ends up uh, baby leaf spinach, baby spinach in a bag. And so uh, it was really because of the increased demand and, and its nutrition profile that we chose spinach. And then lastly, tomatoes, um, you know, are uh, again, a very widely consumed vegetable crop uh, and uh, highly processed for most of the forms that are consumed, certainly here in the U.S., we felt these were representative of, you know, 
a, a large number of the issues and challenges associated with fruit and veg. Obviously, we couldn't capture everything, but we did want to uh, focus on tangible examples uh, in the paper rather than just speak about the general concerns um, because we thought it would connect better uh, with the readers. There's no simple path forward on how to address these issues. Both Gustafson and Stratton highlighted that it will take an effort from everybody, from elected officials to producers to consumers, to update the current system. And so when you say what needs to happen now, I think it's really important to emphasize that this is a multi-pronged solution. It's not like we're saying you need to channel all of your money into, you know, avocado breeding. <laughs> that's not the point of the paper. The point of the paper is, you know, avocado is one crop that's made it into the public eye and one that's had a lot of success in terms of increasing production. Uh, but even that crop has a lot of issues. Uh, and, you know, we should approach this differently moving forward. Think about how we could actually incorporate you know, multiple crop species, like a diversified system um, into the way we're breeding crops, for example, or um, incorporate technology and, you know, um, integrated pest management in the way that we're preparing farmers to grow these types of crops and, and really build capacity around that. So, yeah, I think what are the next steps? Starting to funnel and, and shift some funding away from perhaps major commodity crops, for example, which received the vast majority of funding in the U.S. and a lot of other places uh, for good reason. You know, we need staples, but um, we don't actually need to consume as much as is currently being produced. There are things that consumers can do to help improve the system and eliminate the amount of fruit and vegetable waste that we produce every single day. You know, consumers have a role to play in terms of their behavior, their openness to change. Uh, you know, simple things like reducing waste uh, are actually huge uh, when it comes to this. Uh, you know, I, I just briefly touched on it, but, you know, fruit and veg as a category are probably the worst in terms of the amount of consumer waste that happens, particularly here in the U.S. It's obviously not unique to the U.S., but but that's, that's one aspect of this that consumers can do something about right away. Um, but, uh, and that's, that almost has no negative impacts uh, other than the fact that, you know, you know, your kids are going to have to eat all that broccoli instead of sneak it around uh, as my son always did and, and pour it in the trash without me looking. So um, anyhow, uh, in all seriousness, I think there are, are a number of folks that need to get about it and uh, in order for us to get there is sustainably and equitably. Yet again, we see the fruits of collaborative engagement. And yes, that was another cringy pun. But in all seriousness, organizations like the Aspen Global Change Institute and the Keystone Policy Center that prioritize diverse engagement on critical policy issues produce impact. And while this may not have been an example of parties having heated disagreements over one particular issue, it is another example of the in-depth policy and academic research that is born of dialogue facilitated by experienced conveners and subject matter experts. Just given kind of where we are as a society now, um, and knowing that when we were looking, when we were when we were working on this fruits and vegetables workshop, you know, there's a lot to be um, to be said and, and still studied and worked out with respect to access and equity and um, you know the social aspects of. Uh, fruits and vegetables um, and nutrition and um, economics um, as much as there is, you know, the environmental piece and the production side and the impacts of uh, fruits and vegetable production on the environment and in an era of climate change. Um, when you bring all of that together, I think it takes a really dedicated, a really expert 
kind of team um, that is so much more than facilitators um, to be able to navigate that space. And I think a lot of the questions that we were wrestling with uh, with the fruits and vegetables dialogue, with the protein and the changing environment dialogue, um, are just as relevant now. And I think that um, you know, hopefully, as these conversations build, um, you know, I just see Keystone as being um, you know, truly a, an asset in in being able to make some headway in bringing these worlds together, where you know, environment and and I think social cultural challenges um, and economic challenges we're, we're still trying to solve for those. Um, and we're learning more and more every day. Franklin helped explain the usual cycle of these projects. We bring people together to effectively engage on an issue. From that engagement, relationships are formed. And from those relationships, additional research or engagement or any number of impactful events follow. We are seeing that on this fruits and veggies issue, as more projects are being initiated from this group of individuals and organizations who gathered together three years ago. And it all has impact on the sectors or institutions and the individuals affected by these issues. In this particular case, that just happens to be the entire world. Keynotes is a production of the Keystone Policy Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Keystone, Colorado, which for more than 45 years has empowered leaders to reach common higher ground. This episode has been made possible by a contribution from the Denver Foundation. If you would like to offer feedback about the podcast or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at mchavez at keystone.org. That's M-C-H-A-V-E-Z at keystone.org. If you would like to learn more about the Keystone Policy Center, visit our website at keystone.org.